Yacht Rock Radio, on air and online at YachtRockRadio.com. Okay, so joining us uh, on the telephone is Frankie Previtt. You know him as the frontman, founder, lead singer of Frankie and the Knockouts. Frankie, so uh, glad you're on board with us. Hi, how are you? Good, Adam. How are you? How are you, man? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, we're here to celebrate the uh, release of your box set, the anthology yeah. of your career. Is that a, uh, it, what, what's the title of that? Is it the Frankie Previtt box set or the Frankie and the Knockouts? Because I found online the complete collection of Frankie yeah, and the it. Knockouts. That's what it's called, the complete collection. Uh, Frankie and the Knockouts complete collection. So for the Frankie Previtt fan, the uh, the number one songs you've written, the the charted songs you've performed and sang, I mean, this is uh, the end-all, be-all for the uh, Frankie and the Knockouts fan, isn't it? It kind of is. Uh, it's a little bit of my history of uh, me before Frankie and the Knockouts and what really created Frankie and the Knockouts, the two different bands that I was in, and then after I won the Academy Award and Golden Globe, there's songs that I wrote with, you know, after, you know, after the Golden Globes and after the Academy Award. So this kind of connects the dots between Frankie Previtt, the songwriter of Time of My Life, and Frankie Previtt, the lead singer for Frankie and the Knockouts. Is that the way you just compartmentalize that? Is that uh, is there a delineation there? Is there like can you look back on your career and say, okay, I was Frankie from Frankie and the Knockouts, and then I became <laughs> the Academy Award winning Frankie Previtt? Well, you know, um, as a dream, as a kid, you're always dreaming about being a rock star and hearing yourself sing on the radio, and then uh, for me, that happened, and um, uh, as time went on. Um, I had some hits with Sweetheart and Without You and You're My Girl and Frankie and the Knockouts had its success. But then one day um, I wrote a song called I've Had the Time of My Life and that song became bigger than me as a performer and I became Frankie Private, the songwriter because Bill Medley and Jennifer Warren sang that and then the other song I wrote was Hungry Eyes that was in Dirty Dancing and Eric Carmen sang that. So you have songs that actually take your career and, and expand it and make it even further than you could have ever dreamed that would happen to you. And that's when I became the songwriter, Frank and Prevett, the songwriter. Those hits are unbelievable. And I just would like to know, through your progression in the late 70s, early 80s with Frankie and the Knockouts, when did you, I guess, first uh, get the inclination to write I've Had the Time of My Life? Was that like buried in you and you it took 10 years maybe? Or did just one day in, in the mid-80s, it just popped right out of you? I wish I could say all well, that happened. But, you know, I was down to 100 bucks is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, then it turned up at the right time because I'm guessing yeah. those royalties uh, have been pretty nice over the years. Yeah, well, you know, when um, I was on Millennium Records with Frankie and the Knockouts, and that was distributed by RCA, and Jimmy Einer was the president of that label, and he decided to close shop and go into the film industry, and he sold us to MCA, and, and uh, MCA thought that they wanted to make us sound like Night Ranger for some odd reason, and, and I said, well, geez, you know, making the point uh, is our third record and and i don't think radio 
really is ready for Frankie and the Knockouts to sound like Night Ranger. And by the way, you have Night Ranger on your label. <laughs> you know, but they were insistent and they brought in Night Ranger's producer and they mixed the song called Outrageous and Radio was not ready for Outrageous. And, and so uh, MCA dropped us. So I'm sitting home trying to write new songs uh, for a to get a new deal and and to do a new Frankie and a knockout record. And I wrote a song called Hungry Eyes that nobody liked. And Jimmy Einer called me and said, I have this little movie I'd like you to write a song for. And I said, Jimmy, really, man, I'm trying to get another deal. MCA dropped us. He goes, make time. This is going to change your life. I go, right. You're going to change my life, man. <laughs> and he goes, no, I'm telling you, I, I, I got a good feeling about this movie. And I said, okay, what's the name of the movie? And he says, Dirty Dancing. So now my hand goes on my forehead and I'm thinking, God, Jimmy's doing porn. <laughs> 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 you, you know, out of context, without knowing what the movie is or or the history of the movie, when you just hear right. the title, that's that's what you would think. Well, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "No, no, man, this is uh, this is going to be a cool little movie." And um, he goes, "The good news is, I'm asking you to write a song. They've turned down." He said, "149 songs," and so you got two weeks. And and by the way, the song has to be seven minutes long because it's for the last scene. And I'm thinking, "Wow, MacArthur Park! I got to write MacArthur Park." And I'm, I, I called John D. Nicola up, who I wrote "Hungry Eyes" with, and he sent me a track. And in the car. On the parkway, Garden State Parkway, exit 140, listening to this cassette John sent me. And I'm going, nin, 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 I'm of my life. Nin, nin, I'm of my life. What the hell am I saying? And I'm scribbling time of my life on an envelope. In a million years, I would have never written a song in that genre because Hungry Eyes and was more in my pocket as a, as a writer, as a you know pop rock songwriter. And um, I didn't really know too much about the movie, but what Jimmy told me, boy meets girl, father doesn't like them, they're in the Catskills. And that's it. And so when I met Patrick Swayze at the Academy Awards, he pulled me to the side and said, I need to know a couple of things. He goes, who sang the, who sang the demo? And I said, I did with Rochelle Capelli. And I said, why is that important? He goes, well, it's important because we didn't have a song and we filmed out of sequence. We filmed the last scene first and we, we filmed it. We were getting ready to film it to a Lionel Richie track. Good song, but it wasn't an original song for our movie. And so we kind of like, we're like, let's get this movie over with, you know, it's going to, it's not going to do well. And he goes, your cassette came in and we listened to it and we're going, we're making the movie to that song. And he goes, by the end of the day, there was a 180 of what the hell just happened. You know, what a great ending. Let's go make a movie. And he goes, so when I'm singing Time of My Life, I'm lip syncing when in that dance scene. He goes, it's to you singing Time of My Life. So I, I was like taken back by, holy cow, you know, the power of music. That's a great story. That is so fantastic. They used your version of it to uh, make the movie. They, they weren't even yeah. really... 
uh, I guess, on board with let's just get this movie over with. And then your song brought it all together when they heard the demo version that you voiced. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's what he told me. And then he said, and then the next day we filmed uh, the Hungry Eyes scene to your voice. And I was like, holy cow, that's that's pretty heavy. And so, you know, that's kind of the reason when I took a step back after, you know, all these adulations and the song does what it does. And I said, you know what, I, I got to do something to to honor Patrick Swayze after his passing. So I, I found out where Lisa Lisa Swayze was donating her time and her efforts and her money to the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. So I called and I talked to Pamela Acosta and she's the CEO. She's the creator of, of the charity. And I said, you know what? I want to do something. I, I want to take these original demos that they actually filmed the movie to. And I'm going to take a third song that's in the stage play called Someone Like You. And I'm going to put them on Facebook and I'm going to call it Dirty Dancing Demos. And whatever money I make from it, I will donate to the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. And so for the past, I'm going to say 15 years, we've raised about $30,000. And now, you know, with the chance to put out this box set, you know, I'm going to do some of the same thing. I'm going to donate a portion of this box set. And the box set really has uh, that third record that that MCA missed, you know. So there's songs like on that record that probably would have propelled Frankie and the Knockouts and been a hit record like Come Rain or Shine, One Good Reason, Blame It on My Heart. These are songs that were in the pocket of Frankie and the Knockouts to have another hit record. But probably if that happened... I wouldn't have written time of my life. So, you know, the men upstairs had a plan for me. Yeah. The the history, the music, the songwriting, it's fantastic. You can't go anywhere uh, without hearing those two songs uh, every day, multiple times a day. I was in Florida last week. I heard uh, Hungry, Hungry Eyes, Eric Carmen's Hungry Eyes that you wrote. I heard it three times in one day. I mean, do, are you hearing, do you hear, I mean, as a normal citizen walking around, not a famous uh, winner of awards, just, are you hearing this stuff too? I was coming back from a charity event yesterday in the car with uh, Lisa Sherman. Um, we played at the Stone Pony and all of a sudden I turned the car on and, and Hungry Eyes comes on the radio. So yes. That's amazing. She, she looks at me and she goes, can you believe that? I said, thank God, <laughs> you know. <laughs> now, have you ever been, uh, you know, in public at the bank or anything and the, the Muzak starts playing uh, Hungry Eyes or I've Had the Time oh. of My Life and you're like to the guy next to you, you're like, hey, I wrote that. And he's like, yeah, right. Well, and yes, that's happened. <laughs> it, it, but I don't, I don't, you know, like brag it out. You know, I hear it like in the uh, supermarket or, or uh, in the bank or on an elevator, you know, and I'm standing there with a bunch of people going, wouldn't that be funny if, you know, I just busted out and everybody looked at me like I was a weirdo. <laughs> you know? When you hear that, one of your songs at the supermarket, do you tend to buy more groceries? Does that get you in a better buying mood? <laughs> <laughs> well, it does get me hungry, you know, so... <laughs> Our guest is Frankie Previtt. He uh, is an accomplished uh, musician, songwriter, singer. We're celebrating the release of his box set anthology, 
Uh, it's called Frankie and the Knockouts, the complete collection. Uh, as you've heard, he has a relationship with uh, the Patrick Swayze estate, I guess you could say, and portions of the proceeds will benefit the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network in memory of Patrick Swayze, who uh, we lost way too soon. Um, again, the hits you wrote for the soundtrack, Dirty Dancing, 1987 movie. Uh, did did you? I'm just curious. Did you write the entire soundtrack or a few of the songs? And two of them just happened to go number one and win awards. Um, you know, I wrote two songs on the soundtrack. So you're two um, for two. <laughs> with, yeah, with hits. Well, you know what is? Um, I, I think a, a clever move on, on Jimmy Einer's part and and Michael Lloyd, who's the producer of Time of My Life. And Kenny Ortega, who was the was, was the uh, choreographer, was to connect the right voice to the song. And so Bill Medley and Jennifer Warren, you know, with Bill Medley being a righteous brother, and here's here you have a contemporary song in 1987, and you have an iconic 60s righteous brother voice singing it. So mm-hmm. it kind of was was a thread that went through that song that connected it to the era that they were in. And I think that was a, was a genius move. You know, when I think of that song, weddings pop into my head. I'm sure you've just had uh, couples uh, across the planet at an airport or bank that recognize you come up and say, hey, your song was our, was our wedding song. Your song was our class song or our graduation song. Well, you know, there's all types of uh, YouTube videos with people doing the lift scene at their wedding, you know, uh, on YouTube of time of my life. One of them has like 55 million views. Unbelievable. It blows me away. Unbelievable. Yeah, the lift scene, that's been recreated and and parodied uh, in media since 87. You got uh, got, uh, Colonel Sanders and Mrs. and Butterworth, uh, you know, the syrup doing it now. (laughs) What is going on? I was going to mention that TV spot. So they use the song, I've Had the Time of My Life, and uh, Colonel Sanders and Mrs. Butterworth promoting their chicken and waffles. Uh, when, When they do that, do they... I mean, do you just sit back and the royalties come in, or are you involved in sort of the creative from the get-go? Hey, here's what we're thinking about doing. Or do you just flip channels on TV and go, oh, my gosh, there's uh, my song being used again? Uh, Well, I don't have any part of the creative part of it, but I do have a part of signing off that, you know, that they're doing something that it's not going to embarrass the song. So um, I've turned down several different types of commercials that I didn't think uh, would um, benefit where this Academy of Songs should be associated with. Interesting. I I have to, I gotta ask. I mean, you don't have to name the product, but can you share one of the commercials that you turned down? Well, you know, you you wouldn't want to be associated with uh, uh, some type of um, Prophylactic, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you're having a good time. You, you know, you could argue that you're having the time of your life. Yeah, that well, fits, I know, guess. There's something to be said there. <laughs> well, we applaud your uh, moral fiber for turning down the uh, yes. uh, the lesser-known products or the uh, undesirable products. Uh, again, yes. I want to mention and hit on the fact that a uh, portion of the sales of your um, box set um, – 
will go to the uh, Pancreatic Cancer Action Network charity in Patrick Swayze's honor. That's just fantastic. And I, you mentioned earlier that you just paid it, uh, played a charity gig. So we applaud your philanthropy efforts and your foundation work. Uh, it inspires uh, all of us to get involved with our communities, and and we thank you for doing that. You certainly didn't have to. Um, thank you, thank you. And and uh, you know, I have this like little thought that. You know, when when um, Pamela told me that the pancreatic cancer was the least funded cancer by our government, I thought, you know what, if everybody in the world gave a dollar, we could probably beat this, you know, disease. And so, you know, my, my thought is help us to help others, you know, and um, a dollar, one dollar from everybody could do it. And so I'm just trying to do my share. That's all. Yeah, and uh, we want to help promote it. So, is there a, a website that you prefer people to purchase the uh, the box set, or can they just look it up on Amazon? Or how how would you suggest well, that it, happen? It is on Amazon. It is on FridayMusic.com. That's FridayMusic.com. Uh, you can also go to Frankie and the Knockouts uh, Facebook page, and um, there, there's all kinds of different ways that you could see to to purchase it there. And um, I think those are the three main ways. And, and Joe Iskro, who, who is the president of Friday Records, called me yesterday and he said, we're, we're, we're doing very well. And, we, we, you know, we're thinking about now streaming the whole record and then putting it out on vinyl. And I'm like, well, that, that'd be great. He goes, but the CDs, we want to let the CDs run for a while because we're doing well. And. I said, "All oh, that's all oh, that's good stuff. Um, it, it gives uh, gives me a chance." There's some other songs on this. Uh, what I did was, he asked me for bonus tracks, and so I I was in a band called Bull Angus on Mercury Records that toured with Rod Stewart and Deep Purple and Fleetwood Mac, and I played like this festival, Pocono Mountain Festival, had three hundred thousand people, and so we we had songs that we wrote for that band that didn't make record make our records and so i took a demo from that band and then after that band i became an r&b singer on buddha records at tony camillo who produced midnight train to georgia so i took a demo from that era of my life and those two two different genres that that riff rock band bull Angus and frankie Previt, the R&B singer, I put those two sounds together and created this uh, uh, blue-eyed soul rock and roll band, Frankie and the Knockouts. And so I have demos that didn't make the Knockout records. I have songs that uh, I wrote for movies that didn't make the movie. And then I have songs that I wrote with Chasm Sultan from Todd Rundgren, uh, Utopia, and uh, Mark Rivera from Billy Joel's band. I put a band together with them after the Academy Awards called Brave New World. So I had some of those demos. So I put 11 songs uh, of these demos, unreleased demos, on, on this collection. And then what I'm really proud of is that when, when you first record a song as a band, um, that, that first couple of weeks you're you're still learning the song you're still finding you know the how you should play it the arrangement and then after you play it out you know a good month two months three months on the road you start the song starts to metamorphose into this live version and and um 
I wanted to take those live versions of Sweetheart Without You, uh, Never Had It Better, You're Just What I Want, One Good Reason, and I put six live versions uh, of Frankie and the Knockouts on there just because uh, a lot of people, especially uh, for, for the song Sweetheart, when I wrote it, Jimmy Einer said, you know, it's a really good song, but it's really pop and you want to be a rock and roll band. You, you sure you want to put that bullet in the gun? And I said, yeah, let's let's load it. And, you know, it did become a hit, but, you know, radio thought of us as a pop band. So I just wanted everybody to know that Frankie the Knockouts could rock out. <laughs> rock out with your knockout, right? That's there you uh, maybe go. A, a T-shirt waiting to be uh, put on the website. Uh, Frankie <laughs> Previtt is our guest. Um, Sweetheart, the song, a top 10 hit in 1981. Uh what a! I, I just love that song. I mean, I love that song. And every time I hear the initial notes, I'm I just can't wait for the hook. Um, let's talk about that song. We spin it all the time on Yacht Rock Radio. We're coming up awesome. on the 40th anniversary of the of the hit, really in 2021. I mean, I want to get into get with you and maybe do a a 40th anniversary celebration of that song. Wouldn't that be cool? Maybe do, perform really it cool. on uh, the deck of a cruise ship or something. I mean, get some other yacht rock artists <laughs> up there. That'd be cool. Now, you've worked with Jeff Picaro, from, uh, the drummer from uh, Toto. You've worked with a ton of these Yacht Rock artists. You've played with them. Yeah. You've seen them. Um, yeah. we, just curious, have you, how familiar are you with the term Yacht Rock? So I, I do know of the genre, and, and I do know that it has touched uh, this uh, new uh, kind of format of people that still – some remember it, some don't, some just love the music. And they're singing every word of every song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have a, a Yacht Rock cover band that we're involved with as well. I'd love to get you on stage with us and uh, sing Sweetheart with this band called the Naughty Yachties. That's the band. Now, that, are, you, are you in the band? I am not in the band. I'm actually one of the sort of co-managers of the band. Okay, cool. Um, I'd love to have you up there playing Sweetheart, and I've had the time of my life. The crowd would go crazy. They would love it. It, it, you know what, Froggy the Gremlin could sing "Time in My Life," and the and the crowd will sing with him. You know, so, everybody knows the words for sure. I listen. I just when I start to sing it, I say, "If you know the words, please sing with me." And I just hold the mic, and everybody's just singing the song. So it's like no better feeling in the world to have people sing your song back to you and give you that energy from the audience. Well, that doesn't count. You shouldn't get paid if, the, if you get up on stage and say, <laughs> if you know the words, sing along with me, and then you just stand there with the mic out. <laughs> That's oh, funny. Oh, my gosh. All right, well, I'll investigate that and uh, and see how we can pull that off. I'm glad we All met. Right. I'm glad we, at least on the phone, I'm glad we met. And uh, look Absolutely. forward to seeing you face-to-face someday, because I will, as sure as we are talking on this phone, I will have a Yacht Rock Radio cruise somewhere on a cruise ship with 10 or 20 bands, and uh, I want you part of it. Awesome. Awesome. Um, When you uh, first heard Sweetheart on the radio, uh, before it was uh, a top 10 hit, I mean, it had to to be spun on the radio before it could become a hit. So where where were you? Do you remember that day, the first time you heard Sweetheart on the radio? You know, um, I was... In my car, you know, uh, I was living in New Brunswick, New Jersey, driving down Livingston Avenue, and the song came on the radio. 
and I rolled down the radio. My, I rolled down the windows, and I turned it up, and I started singing along. And it was, you know, like a dream come true. As a kid, you 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 know just hope one day that you would hear your song on the radio, and then to hear your song with you singing it on the radio was it's kind of like you know you're you're in fantasy world. Were you in the car by yourself? That would have been so cool to be a passenger and hear you singing it live and on the radio. <laughs> I believe I was by myself. You know, <laughs> you know I'm top bill in my shower now, so you know I, I sing it anywhere. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. And, uh, I, you know, I, I love some of the little uh, history and trivia nuggets you've shared with us. And one of the things I saw um, in your history that is really kind of a, like people would go, really? That's crazy. Is Tico Torres, the uh, drummer for Bon Jovi, w- was in your band. Yeah. And he was also um, my best man. Oh, your so, kid. That's even better. Yeah. So Tico and I went back many, many years. Uh, we jammed in basement bands and garage bands. And uh, so uh, for the second record, we, we had uh, uh, something happened with our drummer. And so we were changing drummers. And, and Tico came to, you know, to try out. And as soon as he started playing, I knew he was our heartbeat. And um, he, he just hit the drums different than everybody else. And just drove the band. He was driving the bus. Yeah. And, and so, you know, Tico became our drummer and uh, started doing all these gigs with us. What was what was kind of neat with this band was that in the beginning, there was Billy Elworthy, who was the guitar player from Bulangus, one of the guitar players, and I living in an apartment in New Brunswick writing songs. And then he said one day, well, I know this kid, Blake Levinson, he plays piano. Maybe he can come over and we can write with him one day. So we wrote a couple of songs with Blake. And I had an accountant, uh, Bert Padell, who took, uh, you know, I was trying to get a deal. I was selling cars out of my driveway. I wasn't getting anywhere. And and um, Bert Padell took my tape and did in three weeks what I couldn't do in three years. He played it for Jimmy Einer. And so Jimmy Einer called me up and said, I like your songs. Come on in. And he goes, if you can write a few more songs, like as good as these songs, I'll give you a record deal. I said, okay. So I wrote a few more songs. She's a runner. uh, Come back. um, And he goes, Hollywood. I went back to him and he goes, I'm going to give you a record deal. He goes, you got a band? And I'm like, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. Sure, I got a band. Yeah, no problem. And there was just me and Billy and, and Blake every now and then. And so he gave me the record deal. And I went ahead and uh, I pulled in a couple of more friends of mine, you know, that that played. And um, we went and did a record. Now, we didn't have any endings. We didn't, you know, we because you fade on record. And then the song comes out. And Sweetheart starts to go up the charts and. Michael Kleffner was our manager. He also managed a band called Jefferson Starship. And so he called me and said, you know, there's a show Fridays. It's kind of like Saturday Night Night Live, but it's on Friday nights. He goes, why don't you listen to that show tonight? And he goes, my uh, my other band, uh, Starship's going to be on. I said, okay. So um, I'm watching the show and Larry David comes out at the end and he goes, and next week's special guest, Frankie and the Knockouts. 
I'm like, oh, shoot, there's no band. (laughs) (laughs) You got a week. (laughs) So Michael calls me and I tell him and he goes, you got one week. You better have a band together. And he goes, so our first gig as Frankie and the Knockouts, after me not gigging for about two and a half years, was Friday's live television doing Sweetheart and Comeback. Our second gig was the next day on American Bandstand with Dick Clark. Our third gig was Sunday on Solid Gold with Dion Warwick. And then Michael said, you got two weeks to rehearse the band. You're on tour with the Beach Boys. And I go, okay. And that was the beginning of Frankie and the Knockouts. I don't think any band in history had those first three gigs on national television, the way you performed on live television Fridays, then right. American Bandstand, then Solid Gold. Yes. That, that that's got to be some sort of world record. Then start a tour with the Beach Boys? That's a heck of a start. Yeah, it was one hell of a start, I'm telling you. We were playing every like auditorium across the country, you know, 15, 20,000 people a night. And it was kind of neat because, you know, in the beginning, our song was going up the charts and the Beach Boys, you know, would bring us out for the encore. Hey, bring the boys out. You know, we'd come out and do Barbara Ann. And then all of a sudden the song hit top 10 and the audience, the, the crowd started like, you know, coming up to the stage and, you know, trying to grab us. And Beach Boys were like, make them sit down. You got security to make them all sit back down. And we were off the tour. <laughs> That is inc- that's an incredible story. I love hearing those kind of little nuggets. That's awesome. Uh, our guest has been Frankie Previtt. Uh, it's just been a pleasure talking to you. From uh, Frankie and the Knockouts, your box set is out. It's called Frankie and the Knockouts, The Complete Collection, uh, available on Amazon. Uh, portions of the proceeds benefit the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network in memory of your friend Patrick Swayze from the Uh, Dirty Dancing Days, your number one hits from that soundtrack. All of uh, your music history is available uh, here on this box set. It's quite quite something for the music fan in your life if you want to pick it up for a a gift, maybe a birthday present. Or for yourself, you can search that out on the internet, Frankie and the Knockouts, the complete collection. Uh, Before I let you go, uh, fun question I like to ask uh, artists concerning their hit song or their biggest hit song uh, is with a cover band playing the song in a situation where you didn't quite know it was coming? Have you been in a nightclub or a restaurant or a hotel lobby and a cover band starts playing Sweetheart? Has that happened to you? Um, Sweetheart and, and Time of My Life, those two songs well, specifically. Well, yeah, I figure the, uh, the Dirty Dancing songs for sure. Uh, either one, either uh, Hungry Eyes, Time of My Life, or Sweetheart. Uh, cover, I, I have a cover I band have. that you did. They know you were in the audience. Did they try to get you on stage? Did, tell us a little bit about that. Um, no, they didn't know I was in the audience, and but it, it's always like puts a big smile on my face that you know it's an it, it's an honor that somebody would actually sit down and want to learn, you know, what something that you've created and and you know you've passed kind of the torch to them and and now they're passing it on to a new audience and. So that that's all, you know, good vibes, you know, for me to to hear that and and you know, it kind of has a warm spot in my heart every time I hear it. Is it uh, is it good quality 
Or are you sitting there going, oh, they're butchering my song? <laughs> you know what? It, it really doesn't matter. It, you know, it doesn't matter to me that whether they're butchering it. It's their way of you know presenting it, and they're doing the best job they can do. So I'm just happy that they're you know playing my song. You know, and, and I've heard some people really nailing it. So hey, either way, it, it's it's a you know kind of a prideful thing that hey wow that was great that's fantastic well you sound like a humble guy too would you ever go up to the stage at the end of the the set and say hey by the way thanks for playing my song uh, sweetheart that's uh, that's one of my songs i wrote and sang it have you ever done that or is that not your style it, that's not my style but you know a lot of these bands sometimes they have tip jars so i, I just go up there and throw a fiber in there or something in their tip jar <laughs> that's fantastic i love it all right well it's just been fantastic talking to you before uh we squeeze you out the door do you have social media or uh twitter facebook or anything you want to promote well what i would like to promote is i i have a show that i've put together it's a little outside of my box it's a jukebox musical called calling all divas and it's being um kind of backed by the guys who promoted the uh, Jersey Boys uh, stage play, uh, Broadway play. And um, it's it's a kind of a young songwriter who goes out and he's trying to look for the next big voice to sing on his hit record for his boss. And his boss wants to break the next female star. And he goes out and he... he uh, he goes to a country bar. So everything is projected on stage. And and he hears this girl, country girl, sing. And he asks her to come and audition. And he finds this other girl in, in Harlem in a blues club. And so your you projection, again, it's like a blues club. And then another girl that's in a recording studio. And the last girl he finds is a subway singer, a 19-year-old subway singer. And these four girls compete against each other to become the next superstar that this guy's going to break. And the guy has a hard time picking which girl he wants to break. So he makes them a group called the Unforgettables. And the whole second act is a concert of the Unforgettables. That sounds great. Calling all divas. Uh, We encourage our listeners to check that out online as well. I'm sure you'll have some uh, uh, online presence with Calling All Divas. Absolutely. There's a website, callingalldivas.com. Well, there it is. Anybody, anybody wants to go see, there's little EPKs there, so you can actually see the show a little bit of what it's about. Callingalldivas.com. All right, Please. Frankie Previtt, uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, we really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for letting me connect the dots. You're listening to Yacht Rock Radio, the smoothest soft rock from the late 70s and early 80s. For more smooth, join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Yacht Rock Radio. Yacht Rock.